0: Hello everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 176. I'm and Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games, and this week I actually have stuff to talk about. Man, last week I sure felt like it was like, I'm here talking on this podcast because I have to be. So I'm glad I have actual things to talk about this week, including that I went ahead and beat Bionic Commando Elite Forces, so that's all finished up. If you, if you didn't listen... Last week, uh, Bionic Commando Elite Forces is a Game Boy Color game by Nintendo Software Technology in the Bionic Commando franchise. So I I went and put put a good chunk of time into that. And I ran into uh, a problem. I don't remember if this came up uh, last week or not. But uh, apparently that game does not run very well on Game Boy Advance. Uh, So about halfway through the game, there's, there's all these issues that come into play with opening up uh, particular menus and then also loading certain levels where the game will just hang. And, and on the the, the, the the menus with like the inventory and everything, the, the graphics all distort and everything. Um, but then when you're loading the levels and you get stuck there, basically just the screen fades to white and then it just stays white. And so initially I thought, oh, there's an issue with the cartridge or something. Um, but had, somebody had mentioned on Twitter that they were having issues... Uh, playing on Game Boy Advance as well, and that they, they had to get a Game Boy Color to, to uh, finish the game. So I went ahead and looked at, or I went ahead and got my Game Boy Advance um, and confirmed those are issues on, on my Game Boy Advance as well. I was playing it via the Game Boy Player on the GameCube, which is Game Boy Advance based hardware. Um, and then I went and got my Game Boy Color, which I just so happen to have still. Um, And it ran perfectly fine on Game Boy Color. So what I did was I kind of like swapped back and forth between the two games. Um, I would go ahead and play up to a save point on the Game Boy Color, save, go to my Game Boy Advance, see if that, that save point would load. And then if it would load, I'd go ahead and capture some footage from that part of the game. Until it would crash again and then I'd go ahead and go back to Game Boy Color, play to the next part of the game, and then save, do the same thing back and forth. And, and thankfully, it wasn't that um, troublesome. The the big reason why is that most of the stuff that crashed the game, things like opening up the inventory before a mission and uh, loading levels, those happen right after a save spot. So you would always get a chance to save right before the game would crash. Um, so, so that was, that was the helpful thing about that. So, so I was able to eventually get through a good chunk of the game. I didn't lose probably about like three or four levels worth of footage, um, but I, I think I got enough at this point that I could probably do some kind of like casual review kind of thing of it. I did really like the game, but being on a Game Boy Color, it just, the screen resolution is just so, it's, it's, the screen's just so small that it's it's impossible to, to play that game like in a way that... You know where you're going, like like when you were swinging. There's a lot of times you're just doing like a blind jump after a swing. And you just don't know what you're going to be grappling onto next. If you're jumping into a pit or you're jumping against an invisible wall, you know how many grapple points are there on the other side? You know, like yeah, it's just it's just a lot going a lot going on that you can't see really. Um, but overall, if you can get over that, I think it's a very fun game, and you know obviously you'd need a Game Boy Color. to to play it and thinking about it i'm not really sure what options there are out there to play game boy color games on like a tv and capture it i mean obviously via emulation uh i wouldn't be surprised if there's like a game boy color specific emulator out there um but but in terms of like you know a, a game boy color with video out i'm not not particularly aware of that um, I think most people probably just use the Game Boy Player, which is Game Boy Advance based hardware and the Super Game Boy. I'm pretty sure the Super Game Boy is just Game Boy. I don't think there's any Game Boy Color support on the Super Game Boy. So, so yeah, I had fun with that and I and I enjoyed it. It was, it was neat. Um, so I'll probably go ahead and do some kind of a casual review thing that I'll go ahead and put up on the, the website at some point for that. Um, but, but nothing, nothing in the near future for that. So, but it was fun. Uh, I also put some time into Sinnoh and Kagura Reflection, so I ordered this off Limited Run Games uh, a while ago. Now, <laughs> like I, I have a lot of grief with Limited Run Games and like how how they handle their orders. I think I bought Blaster Master Zero One and Two. Before I bought *Cinder Girl Reflections*, and those Blaster Master games are still not here. Yeah, *Cinder Girl Reflections* is, so <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But uh, but I went and bought the physical copy of it off Limited Run Games, and so that includes uh, all the DLC for the game. If you don't know, it was like a downloadable only game for the Switch, and I think it eventually got ported to PC as well at some point. And I was kind of interested in this game for for a particular reason of uh, HD Rumble being a big part of that. The big selling point they had was that we want to make this game, an HD Rumble based game. I had to go back and look up like the original quotes or something or or whatever the general like uh, announcement trailer said uh, about the game, but it, it seemed to be to imply that like they they wanted to use the HD Rumble in a way that was like essentially uh touching touching the girl's body or whatever, because it's a massage game in the Center Kagura franchise. You know, if you're familiar with Senor Kagura, you know, it's it's a bunch of busty, busty ladies or whatever. And and it definitely fulfills that that particular um you know if if you're into Senor Kagura and the intimacy mode in Senor Kagura, it definitely fulfills that that part of the game. It's it, well, if anything, it it does more than than what Senor Kagura I think typically does with its int- intimacy mode. Where they give you actual dialogue and stuff with the characters, and, and the dialogue is more direct dialogue. That's more like them saying like, "Oh, I, I, my heart beats when I'm around you specifically," kind of thing. Where I think the other Figure games, most of the dialogue is happening between characters. There's not really much directed at the player. And if there is anything directed at the player, if it's anything like Peach Beach Splash, it's just kind of like off comments when you're when you're like poking them in the intimacy mode or whatever. Where in here, it's like a bunch of scenarios where. You're basically like, oh, you're you're both in like the back. Like if, if you watch the anime, all of this is gonna sound familiar. You're like in the back room, you know, with them, and while they're in, like the gym outfit, and, like, oh, give me a massage, kind of thing. And then, uh, and then also like, you know, one of them's like your teacher, or, or she's like pretending to be your teacher or something. And then like they're like, oh, you know, let me teach you about my body or something. It's all very like very overtly sexual in a way that I was kind of surprised. I think because in like the typical Cinder Girl game or or even like Kanagawa Jet Girls, a lot of the dialogue is is not really directed in a way that's like very very sexual. I feel like I I'd have to go back and see what Peach Peach Splash story was like, um, but I think generally it wasn't like super super suggestive um, most of the time. Not I'm not gonna say all the time, um, but but yeah, maybe I'm just misremembering. But this game definitely was just like. Like a lot of things, where she's like, "Oh, now that you rubbed me there, I'll show you where else you can rub me." <laughs> like that. It's like, "Oh boy, all right." <laughs> so, and I think it su- succeeds there. But the biggest problem I have with this game, I'm actually very mad at this game. Um, it's just the controls are just, uh, they, 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 there's a lot of opportunity with Kugura, uh Reflections to do something where, you know, you you have a more I guess, fourth wall breaking experience in terms of how you're interacting with the character. The thing that keeps coming back to my mind is in uh, Call of Duty 3 for the Wii, there's this whole segment where you are setting a C4 bomb in that game. And 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 admittedly, this is like my memory of like, playing this game 14 years ago at this point, right? Or, or however long it's been since the the Wii's launch. You go ahead and like, you, you use the Wii remote to like set the bomb on the wall. So you like push the remote forward to set it on the wall. Um, you then like put the nunchuck to the side of the Wiimote and twist it uh, to kind of like twist the, the, t- the uh, little pin on it to, to set the timer. And then you pull the nunchuck out to, to set the timer or to like, you know, arm the bomb essentially and, and start the timer countdown. And that's like a really neat experience of like the game asking you to do something that you're very involved in the movements and they are asking you to replicate what these movements are like in real life, step by step. Um, and, and... I think this game kind of gets there and it opens in a way that it makes it seem like it's gonna it's gonna be that where like essentially the the game starts with like the, her holding um, or you putting your, your hands around her hands and she's like massage my hands please. So you have the two Joy-Cons in your hands so it's kind of like you're holding the lady's hand or whatever right and then you have to press down on the uh, analog sticks to to essentially start massaging her hand in, in particular spots so you so you press down the analog stick and so that's like kind of like you're pressing down on their hand uh to apply pressure and then this is where things kind of go bad where like so the whole thing is that when you, when you put, apply pressure to their hands you then like your character starts like rubbing her hand around and like doing like a massage into her hand kind of thing but you as the player don't do that like like even though the analog sticks are there and you can move them and you could do like a like a a massaging you know motion um the game doesn't ask you to do that it just plays that animation out automatically and there's a lot of things like that in this game where it's like they get part of the way there of being like okay you're going to you know uh you're gonna you know grab her arm or whatever right and and so it's like okay so you, you you know point the little hand over the arm and so you would think like for grabbing the arm, something where you grab like the two buttons on the side of the the Joy-Con would kind of mimic like a gripping kind of motion, kind of thing, right? If you are if you're gripping the uh, ZLZR on the inner side of the the Joy-Con, um, but what they ask you to do is like rotate the Wii Remote or not the Wii Remote, the Joy-Con to the left, which is just it's not really a grabbing motion, right? Um, so, so there's just weird stuff like that. And then when you are like caressing or whatever, like in like, you know, rubbing parts of their body, sometimes it's like you hold down a button and use the analog stick. I, I, I just feel like there was, there was, there's better options for kind of creating that more like physical experience of doing the massaging stuff. Right. And, and I think there was probably a lot more opportunity to make use of like, the hd rumble overall kind of how it's used right or used uh, in this game is when you're doing the the hand rubbing thing you can feel like the pulse on her hand a little bit as the as it like starts to beat faster and like it starts to beat harder so the the hd rumble will like kind of pulse um you know uh, to to represent that heartbeat um but from there it's really only used for um In in one mode, it's, like, you can kind of, like, slap their their body in certain parts. And depending on, like, how much fat is on that part of the body, it will, like cause the rumble to jiggle or the rumble to to rumble more to like represent the jiggle so if you like if you like slap them on the arm or whatever they they your controller doesn't r- rumble at all it's like well it, it rumbles but like just like a very sudden like kind of thing but then if you like slap their thigh where they got like meat i guess you could say um then and it like you know on screen it like jiggles around a bit the the um the rumble and the controller uh like will vibrate longer so it's like there's there's interesting seeds of ideas here um in terms of how this how this like it can create this like more physical connection to what's happening on screen um but it just there's a it just doesn't really execute on it well in a way. It's it's, it's one of those things that's like, I can understand, you know, this is a $10 downloadable title on the Switch and then every download pack after that's like an extra $10 or whatever um, for up to, I think, five characters for a $50 experience there. Uh, and then there's like a bunch of outfits you can buy because it's a center of your game. Um, but like, I don't know. They just seem like small decisions that could have been made in regards to the control, how you're interacting with the Joy-Con that really could have made the experience like a a more interesting thing, a more interesting tech demo, because it just starts you with this thing that feels like you're going to be replicating this very physical interaction with somebody. And then as soon as you start doing those interactions in full, um, they, they just they just fail to actually replicate what you're doing on screen frequently. Um, there's some things I can kind of understand where like when you do some of the massaging stuff, it kind of asks you to be a little (laughs) in my brain, the word coming out is violent right now, but like you have to be like really kind of rough with some of the massaging stuff in a way that I don't know, to me, to me seems like it'd be unnatural in a massaging kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's comfortable. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe it varies per girl. I've only played through, uh, Oscar and, uh, uh, Yumi so far. Um, but I, I didn't notice any difference at least. But, um, but yeah, there's sometimes it's like, you, you didn't, you need to like kind of, like there's one where you brush their arms or whatever, which I don't really know why you're brushing their arms, but you do it. Um, and, and with that one, it just feels like you have to shake the Joy-Con quickly enough in a way that just doesn't feel natural for, for how you would, I guess, brush someone's arm. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like it should be a bit more like, a bit slower and a bit more like, <laughs> in a way that just feels a lot more, a lot less. Just like I'm waggling this Joy-Con because I have to finish this task, right? In a way that might be maybe sensual is the word I'm looking for. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, though it's it, it like meets what you need if you're looking for for that kind of Center Kagura thing in terms of, the, term of having a more expansive intimacy mode. But to me, intimacy mode has never been an interest of me for me when it comes to Center Kagura, and this game definitely um, you know that kind of content isn't what appeals to me in this game. What appeals to me is like having that more more physical interaction with what's happening in the game, and and I feel like it just fails in that part. So that was a lot of rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been thinking about Cinder Kruger reflections like all this week because it made me, it made me so upset. <laughs> um, so I think that might, that may, and you know, a lot of what I said is, is kind of my complete thoughts, probably more than anything. I, I may make that into like a, a complete video, like not just a casual review, maybe a full Cinder reflections video, but I'll, I'll have to wait and see how, how things go. There's a lot of, um, you know, I, I bought the physical copy that has all the DLC, so they have all five, well, five characters from the Senkara franchise, um, and and so I'm probably gonna play through all of them. I don't. That's probably not a good idea because it's it's kind of the same thing, just a different character each time. And each character has five endings, and they're basically the exact same ending. They're basically rewritten ways to convey the same information. So I don't I don't really understand um why they did it this way other than just to pad the game. It feels like this game feels like a lot of padding in general to be honest with you. Um I mean it, it does some things interesting in some ways and it's more expansive than like a ty- typical intimacy s- mode in a center Kagura, but overall it feels very padded. Um and and so I'll probably get through the rest of that. I'm going to try to maybe do like one one girl a night this week. Um it's it's about I think an hour and a half to 2 hours per per character, so um, and I could, I could actually. At some point, they're just like, "Hey, if you don't want to actually massage her, you can just skip to the story bits." Um, but it feels kind of like a bad. Like I don't feel like that'd be the right thing to do, right? Like here's this gameplay mechanic. Okay, I remove the gameplay mechanic now. Um, so, so I just I I I could make it faster if I skip that stuff. But I'd rather I think I'd rather do the full experience there and then be like, okay, you know. I I rubbed rubbed all these girls, all five of them. I did it, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, let's stop talking about that. So yeah, to get to um, some news stories this week, there's a, there's a handful of things. One thing I thought was kind of interesting um, is uh, GameStop, uh, if you did not hear, is getting uh, some extra revenue from Xbox Series X. So essentially what's happening is if, if GameStop sells an Xbox Series X, uh, I didn't check to see if it was an Xbox Series S, but I don't see why this wouldn't happen. I, I'd imagine this would be even more true for an Xbox Series S. Um, basically, if somebody buys an Xbox from a GameStop, uh, GameStop will be uh, given some revenue based off their digital game purchases, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, and and I thought that was like a really, I guess, <laughs> neat way to get GameStop to push their particular console. I'm guessing Sony doesn't have any kind of thing lined up for for this kind of thing. So I I thought that was kind of a, a neat way to like give GameStop some revenue. Um, you know, I, I I don't have a lot of confidence that GameStop's GameStop's gonna last forever, right? Uh but I could definitely see like on an Xbox size how that'd be beneficial to be like, hey, push Xboxes because we're gonna get revenue from this. Where on on Sony's side, uh we you know you sell the console and then it's just gone, uh assuming that, that Sony's gonna do anything. I would wonder if Sony would Part of me is like, well, you know, GameStop's an American company, uh, or at least as far as I know it's American. You know, it's it's, a, it's a, a brand most popular in America. I don't know who actually owns GameStop. I assume somebody in America. Um, but, uh, you know, the Sony and Nintendo being Japanese companies, I wonder if they'd have that same uh, interest in working with, with uh, GameStop. That being said, Sony is very Western-focused now. Uh, it seems like at this point, you know, over the last decade or so, uh the 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 power of the company has definitely shifted from japan to it seems like specifically europe has 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 gained a lot of control at sony i I don't know for sure if that is like what the power dynamics are like right now but i remember there's like a a period of time where it seemed like a lot of the power was in america and then at some point like two years ago everything was kind of switching over to uh, sony europe kind of running the show in some way um I don't have any information on that. That push, particularly points it—that's that, true information. But I just—that's my general feeling about how who seems to be calling the shots at Sony at this point. I could be wrong about that. So, so yeah. I guess speaking of uh, that kind of westernization of uh, of Sony, though, um, I, I I think this may have been announced a, a couple weeks back or, or a week or so ago. But if you didn't hear, the PlayStation Five um, is having its uh, X Z circle inputs uh basically switch for japan so if you don't know in japan uh for playstation platforms the circle button is kind of the the yes button when you like select menus on the items and the x button is like a cancel button and for some reason in the west that never really caught on instead it was the x button to confirm and then and then um main, mainly just the x button to confirm i think some games kind of switch around what the cancel button is whether that be circle square square or, uh, or triangle. I feel like it's either circle or triangle typically for, for uh, you know, unconfirming or canceling out of the menu or whatever. Um, so one thing that Inside Games did is they did a a poll of the Japanese community to see, or their their community, to see how they felt about the circle and X uh, swapping. And I thought some of the opinions were kind of interesting that were in there. Uh, for, for, for the actual stats, I, I don't have the the exact numbers here, but it basically seemed to be like a 30-30 split Uh, between um, either not caring or or being okay with it as long as they offer the ability to set it in the system level. And then 40% was like, actually, don't change it but some of the comments were basically saying that like whenever Japanese or whenever western games come out in Japan uh it sounds like they don't swap those button functionalities typically so Japan gets the same problem that we have <laughs> with some games where where the the uh circle and x button uh are are essentially swapped for them right um so they they had some people on there that are like oh this is actually really good across the board for us because now we don't have to switch back and forth, uh, between Japanese and, and, uh, and, uh, U.S. games in that Circle X, uh, setup. But there's also like this, this feeling, um, that, uh, one person shared that was just like, you know, it won't be a problem for people who are typically playing games, uh, cause they're basically used to it now from, from Western games. But they said for casual gamers in Japan, Uh, they, they felt like it would be a problem because if you don't know in Japan, like the circle mark is like, okay, like, yes, good, correct kind of thing. So, so that's like visual language for Japan and how you convey that information. And so they were saying for, for a casual gamer that, that may not play games very often, that could become pretty confusing. So I thought that was an interesting perspective. Um, I'll link the story in, in the, the podcast post that has like a full set of, you know, opinions that were, that they kind of took excerpts from and, and posted on the website, what that poll looked like. But yeah, I thought it was kind of some, some interesting insights on what, the Japanese player base thought about that circle and X thing swapping. I personally don't care. It seems a little weird that, you know, the, the platform where it originated as circle and X, you know, in Japan, obviously for circle being confirmed, uh, is now basically removing that original uh, assignment from them from Japan. But you know, Western Western audiences are big now. Right. And Sony is, is mainly operating in, in Europe and, uh, the U S at this point. Um, I'm sure if they had the choice between the, the, like two markets of the, out of the three they would, they would choose europe in the u.s not not japan at this point so so yeah i thought that was kind of a an interesting little bit of information one company that uh, is is not succeeding though in the u.s though is uh level five there's a story going around this week um, the, the source I have here is Siliconera, but I actually did not check to see if this is the original source or just somebody on Siliconera also reporting this. But uh but yeah, basically level five apparently has like a skeleton crew in the US, um, which is maybe to be expected. You know, I don't I can't recall the last time level five had a hit in the US. I think Nino Kuni uh did okay, but I don't think Nino Kuni ever really took off. Like Nino Kuni 1 kind of benefited around the time of, you know, Americans or I think Westerners in general, but but particularly in America, I can kind of speak for this, of uh, there just being not really a great mainstream interest in Japanese RPGs. And Nino Kuni was one of the few games that kind of broke through and and kind of reached a a segment of the the mainstream audience. Not not a full a full like you know, it, it was not like this big million seller if I recall correctly. But you know, it had some penetration where a lot of Japanese RPGs just weren't having that at that time. Um, and I feel like that was kind of the last thing I can think of that was. That was somewhat successful, right? Um, I think I think uh, Fantasy Life may have may have had some minor success, um, but but yeah, I really Professor Layton was the last time I remember Level Five like having a real big hit uh, in the U.S. Um, I'm trying to think of the last Level Five game I played. I, I know I played Rogue Galaxy for the PlayStation Two, and I played Professor Layton. Um, I did like the, the level five, uh, series on, on 3DS. I forget what they, they were called, uh, but they're basically a, a bunch of smaller games that were like in a collection, the guild series, that's what it's called the Gildo one and Gildo two series. Um, and in, in Japan, they were sold as physical copies and then a collection of games, but in the U S they're sold separately digitally, uh, attack of the Friday monsters being a big one. I mean, level five didn't pop- develop that, but they were, they were basically releasing that stuff. Um, I believe in the West as well. So So really, um, so what does this mean? Right. Um, in the, in the short term, I think something that had already been a big concern is Yo-Kai Watch 4. They had announced Yo-Kai Watch 4 for localization, but I think Yo-Kai Watch 3 bombed pretty hard. I mean, Nintendo America kind of sent it out to die with barely any physical copies. I don't know sales wise how it did digitally. Um, so I, I don't, I think even after Yo-kai Watch three, I did not have a ton of confidence Yo-kai Watch four would be coming out. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're we're gonna see you know unless Nintendo is specifically being like, hey, we got to make Yo-kai Watch four happen, right? Um, I, I I think we're probably not gonna see Yo-kai Watch four at this point. It just seems like it's been a long time. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm overestimating the meaning of Level Five being a skeleton crew um, in, in the West, but, but I feel like Yokai Watch d- never really took off in the way it did in Japan, and we're already kind of pra- past the series prime in Japan, too, and I feel like the, the boat was kind of missed on, on making Yokai Watch work in the West, um, and then there's Snack World, which I need to pick up Snack World, I, I think Snack World also bombed pretty hard, um, and, but I I was always really interested in Snack World. It's basically like a top-down action RPG, uh, and it finally got localized on the Switch. And I never picked it up. I really I really should. I think I looked at the price recently. and It's like thirty-ish dollars, so it's not that expensive. But yeah, uh, I'd imagine for the most part they're probably working with other publishers. I think they have been for a while. Uh, like I think Nino Kuni Two is a Bandai Namco game, right? Um, and maybe the original Nino Kuni was also Bandai Namco. I can't I can't remember for sure, but. And swinging back to Sony here a little bit, um, I don't really have a lot to say about this. This is a, a news story that came out. I think it was kind of rumored the week before that the PlayStation 3, Vita, and PSP um those the software for those those games or those platforms would not no longer be purchasable from like the PC storefront if you're logged into like a web-based browser, browser. um which you know I, uh, yeah it kind of kind of is annoying that you have to buy content through, through the original platforms they're on except for PSP I think PSP store is shut down and they get to buy PSP content through the Vita and PS3 stores then you can transfer PSP games over from either the Vita or the PS3, I think is how that works. Um, But, but largely you'll have to shop for those games on the PS3 or the Vita itself. The only unfortunate part about this right now is, man, the PlayStation store runs like garbage on the the PlayStation 3. Like I have that thing lock up half the time, every time boot it up. So, so I don't have a ton of confidence that, uh, that it will be a great user experience, but I think this is kind of, you know, any kind of storefront you know shutting down is is an inevitability and we're not getting it shut down yet so i'm not too concerned at this moment but you know this is definitely one of the earliest signs of of playstation 3 vita and psp games no longer being available um you know or, or or approaching that time frame right um you know i would love for those platforms to be or those digital storefronts to be available forever but you know you look at the WiiWare and uh, and PlayStation Mobile and those things, you know, at least we got like a, a year heads up. So I think people bought a lot of what they wanted. And thankfully, those platforms were very uh, well archived, as far as I'm aware. Um, I think most of that stuff is available if you want to get it. Admittedly, the Wii is a very hackable system, right? Um, and... I don't know the, the case of PlayStation Mobile so much. Uh, I'm a little worried that some PlayStation Mobile stuff is just up and gone forever. Like, did somebody back up Soul Brain 1 through 9 or 11? However many of those Soul Brain games there were. Nobody, nobody in their right mind probably did, but I hope somebody did. um, um so yeah, it's just, it's just. I don't know. It's sad to see that stuff go, but we're, we're not quite there yet. So I don't have any real strong feelings about them kind of limiting the storefronts to their original platforms, but, but it is kind of annoying, but uh, eh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pulling the fire alarm yet on, on this one, but you know, it's, it's only a matter of time until those storefronts shut down. And the news story I was most excited about this week is Analog is doing a TurboGrafx Duo, uh, system. So, you know, it's a aftermarket TurboGrafx Duo or PC Engine Duo, whatever you want to call it. And, and, you know, it's FPGA based like their Super Nintendo and their, their, uh, uh, Genesis, uh, models, so, so if you don't know what this is, basically they're hardware emulation devices, um, and they're meant to run your original games on those platforms. They also have SD card slots, so I think people typically make a workaround where you can load games off the SD card slot. I don't know for sure, but that was always the kind of under, underground kind of thing out here, is that like, hey, this thing technically only runs Super Nintendo cards, but also you could load your custom firmware and just play whatever you want on here <laughs> you know so so basically i think like a bunch of cores and stuff like custom cores that people would make for those platforms um so i'm pretty excited about that because if you if you haven't been around um for too long i was actually really interested in picking up a pc engine uh duo or or turbo graphics 16 duo i wanted a way to play cd-based turbo graphics game why because i want to play private idol the greatest TUNX game ever made. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I I played Private Idol via emulator and, and really enjoyed it. It's like this uh, top down kind of the the first hour and a half of the game's like this very like haunted house kind of thing. It's kinda weird because it's it's this weird haunted house idol thing, but also I think she transforms into like a super hero that that like has this like cannon gun or something i don't really know that much about private idol despite playing like an hour of it but i i really enjoyed what i played of it it's like an adventure game kind of thing feels very resident evil-ish in some ways um um but a bit more you know more of an anime aesthetic and more more fun about it with a lot of different characters and things like that um so i was pretty excited uh, to see that. The only problem being is that I think these things are kind of difficult to get, and I think they said that they're going to be a limited quali- quantity units. I don't know if they said the same about the Super Nintendo and the Genesis ones, and then just like bring them back when it makes sense, or this is literally just going to be, we're going to make one run, and then maybe we'll make more runs after that. So my hope is that maybe the Turbo Graphics and the uh, PC Engine is, is less in demand, and that I'll be able to get this somewhat easily it's like 200 bucks and it comes out i think next year um but 200 for a a, a turbographic cd that i don't have to worry about buying a refurbished unit with like that's been recapped and everything and with a disk drive that hopefully works kind of thing um that's a pretty big deal for me and i i, I always love to per- i've always preferred to have original hardware when possible but in the case of the Graphics and the PC Engine, it just it wasn't making a lot of sense. And I was looking at the PolyMega, but that's software emulation, so I do worry a bit more about that. Um, and and there's also, like, with the PolyMega, like, a lot of other platforms kind of built into that thing. And, you know, whatever you have kind of that great diversity of support of, on that device, I feel like you're going to not get quite the attention that, that a, any single platform might need on that thing so you might have one platform that lags behind the other ones which admittedly analog has a lot of different you know hardware that they put out there but i feel like maybe a little more comfortable buying a device meant for one thing rather than one that's just like this big all-in-one kind of thing uh like a retron 5 or something like that right um admittedly i don't think uh, hyperkin has the greatest track record in general <laughs> um, so so maybe the retron 5 is a, is a poor comparison uh for polymega there but but yeah, so I hope to get hope to get that, and I hope to be able to, to check that out. Speaking of private idol, in the chronicles of Ben wasting money, um, I bought a private idol mouse pad. <laughs> so I got it for I saw it on Japan oh uh, Yahoo Auctions Japan a while ago and it was like $22 or something like that but you know when you're buying stuff from Yahoo Auctions Japan you also have to consider the fact that you have to, you know, get a proxy service in place and pay the shipping fees and all that stuff so you're probably looking at something closer to like, you know, 30 something bucks if not more than that. Um I feel like most my rule of thumb usually with proxy services is that whatever you're buying double it and then that's probably going to be the price you're going to pay that's not always true depends i think on the type of item you're buying the weight of it things like that the uh final fantasy 11 mugs i bought a while ago uh (laughs) was more like two point like a, a little over double the price uh rather than double the price in that case um but then it actually i think somebody picked it up and and essentially bought it and then tried to sell it on their own uh on eBay and it was floating around for $40 for a long time. I was like, $40, is a lot of money for a mouse pad. And then eventually uh this week I made an offer to them for $30 and they 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 let me buy it for $30. So I was like, oh awesome. So that was probably you know about the price I would have paid to get it from from Yahoo Auctions Japan, right? um so I bought it off eBay and it has like free shipping so it should get here I think November it's actually shipping from Japan so I think it's going to be a slow shipping thing so hopefully it survives on the trip over I don't know what the shippability of mouse pads are I would think it's probably fine and you might be being like why do you need a private idle mouse pad Ben? well two things one if you don't know I use a trackball mouse on my actual PC so I don't actually need a mouse pad on my actual PC because I use that thing where I use the my thumb to move the mouse cursor around because a lot of people think I'm a monster but you know that's just the kind mouse i grew up with and that's like what's comfortable for me (laughs) i also hear it's good for your wrist compared to like a normal mouse but you know who can say my my wrists are probably not exactly in the best best condition either um but the other thing is is that i have a um pc 98 here that i want to spend more time with and that has a mouse with it and i don't have a mouse pad for that and then also extra dumb uh money spending i'm looking at buying a pcfx mouse right now which you're like why do you need a pcfx mouse ben it's like well i was buying farland story and it has pcfx mouse support And i was like maybe what if i use the mouse <laughs> with farland story <laughs> so i don't know um i'm not sure what the, the mouse is gonna cost uh I, I went ahead and asked vink to look into it for me uh, typical one on eBay seems to be about $80, which is quite a bit of money. So I basically t- I'm always happy to give Vink business. So I basically told Vink, if you can find it for $180. I'll be happy with that. <laughs> like, like, like if you can get that, I will, I will buy it whatever price you find it for. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, I don't know. I don't need a PCFX mouse, but here we are today. I made that request and there's that Whew. a lot of info this week on this podcast thanks for coming one is the website um oh one other thing i wanted to touch on before before we move on to the the post credit stuff post credit stuff like like what's going on thing um there's some anime i was looking at called Magat. <laughs> it's a german thing magatsu Warheit height i love xenosaga's uh subtitles um and it's apparently based off a mobile game. But uh, I actually thought the anime looked pretty neat. So I might check that anime out. I don't know for sure yet. I don't really know what it's about. I just like how it looks aesthetically more than anything, to be honest. So yeah, I might check that out. But I don't think Crunchyroll is streaming it. So I might have to look in to see where I can actually watch it. Um, anyways, anime done. Out the window. Throwing the anime out the window. Thank you for coming. OneCantrollerPort.com is the website. Um, so in terms of what's coming up this week, um, I'm, I'm, I'm streaming more Billy Hatcher on uh thursday at 7 p.m pacific time i think we're probably gonna beat the the main story billy hatcher this week it seems like we're getting getting there at least in terms of like how things are progressing it seems likely that we're on kind of the last set of levels um which seems very short uh but but the majority of the game it might we might run in a situation where it's like oh you have to collect this many you know essentially star equivalents to to fight the final boss or whatever so we might have to run into that Um, but essentially if i do beat that game on stream i'm gonna spend the rest of the time uh just collecting additional stuff in billy hatcher and then see how i feel about it then if you didn't watch the last stream for billy hatcher uh it was rough admittedly you know part of it's like i'm streaming and so i feel like the 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 stress of like a performance stress kind of thing uh to make sure i'm not just boring everybody i spent about 45 minutes on one room (laughs) which is great. Um, but I'm just, even in general, even outside that room, I'm just kind of losing my patience with that game. There's just a lot, something, something about Billy Hatcher is just not clicking with me and I don't know what it is. It's one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of cool ideas here but none of it ever like comes together in a way and like I also have a hard time envisioning how it comes together i I'm probably very unpopular in this opinion of I feel very similar about Mega Man Legends. Mega Man Legends is a game that I should really like. On paper, it looks like a game I should really like. But when I sit down and play Mega Man Legends, I don't like it that much. Like it's fine, but I think it's very skippable. like c- considering how people talk about it, I think it's not that great of a game. Um, I need to play Mega Man Legends too at some point. That being said, that's a whole other thing. I made a video review of Mega Man Legends, if you want to see that. Let's plug some old content. I don't think that's a good video review. That was, like, from the dark times of video reviews <laughs> that happened. Um, and then I think, I believe this week we have a uh, casual review of The Last Rebellion. So that's going to go... or yeah, last rebellion. I always, I almost said the last remnant, last rebellion. So that's going up on the, the website. You know, if you've watched the whole stream, you probably don't need to check in on that. But if you do want to kind of see my feelings summed up in about 10, 15 minutes, I kind of talk about why I liked the last rebellion. Uh, also the problems I had at the last rebellion. Again, I think that game is, is surprisingly pretty cool despite all the, you know, negative negative information about there about that game out there. Uh but again, it is a problematic game in a lot of ways too. So I I kind of understand, but I also think people maybe were a little little too reactionary to that. And then uh and then yeah, I think that's it. Super Mario Land uh review featured review although a shorter featured review it's like five minutes long rather than the usual eight to nine minutes uh that's going up in early november so that is set up scheduled and done so that is finished um in the last rebellion or (laughs) all these last uh the last story podcast um i went ahead and created an outline for that and it's kind of in a weird state right now I'm having a hard. T- I'm having a hard time with the last last story, um, so so I'm I'm hoping that it's good enough. I might go ahead and share it with the rest of the group, and then kind of get their thoughts on it. Um, and then there are also some other stuff may have come up that, that may prevent us from recording that in the near future, so I might plan to try to get something else ready for December, but we'll see, that's, that's, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, again, I have to, I'm not even really confident in my outline yet at this point, so let alone, you know, trying to organize the actual, uh, thing going on. So that's largely my fault at this point. I just, <laughs> Last Story is such a complicated game to talk about, I feel like. And if you're on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe. Anyways, so that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. onecontrol is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye!